Oh, hey, welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. Uh, first of all, we hope that uh, that you and your families are doing very well right now, that you're safe. Um, I am merely Andy Barron's coming to you from Chicago. I am joined, as always on this pod, by Dalton Del Don from who knows where in uh, Central California. Dalton, what's up, man? How you doing? Oh, man. Great question. It's uncertain times. Uh, nice. It's to talk a loaded to you, question all of a sudden, right? Um, it's a totally loaded question. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so I got an alert on my phone this morning saying uh, March Madness is tipping off at 9 a.m. And I'm like, oh, do I really oh. have brutal to remind me that I could have been, you know, looking at my bracket right now and getting so excited at 9 a.m. on Thursday. But no, no, here we sit. And uh, the future remains as uncertain as the last time we talked. But, uh, but yeah, so what 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 has new what what have we learned since then though? Man, um corporations, broadcasters, uh maybe turn off some of those pre-scheduled uh alerts and notifications, right? Like that's terrible. That's horrible. Um that's absolutely awful. So a little bit of of uh news in the NBA at a at a time when there can't possibly be any games and any actual stats or results coming in. For like first of all, I want to say, you know, not to minimize what's going on uh in the in the world at large, but like yesterday for me, given the um given the television offerings that were available on NBA TV and a few other outlets, like I had a solid TV day. Um, when I was trying to disconnect from uh, the news of the world, pretty solid TV day. Just like if we look at the offerings only on NBA TV, oh man, um, that was that was some fun. Uh, we got we got Rockets Celtics game six from 1986. That was awesome. The the Ralph Sampson sort of face plant game. Um, I got to watch a little Lakers Celtics game four from 87 magics, uh, <laughs> running hook, uh, to win it. One of the classic, uh, NBA finals games of all time. They ran the dream team documentary. That was awesome. Uh, every little bit of that was awesome. And then I closed down my night with, uh, with they, I believe they showed MJ's, uh, 69 point game against the Cavs from 1990, which is just such an incredible moment in time. Like, first of all, um, Joe Tate broadcasting the game like one of the all time like if he'd been on either coast i feel like for the course of his career joe tate would be just an absolute household uh, household name what a great broadcaster like uh it was the the obviously the hometown cleveland broadcast joe tate um just fantastic he's grousing about every call that went the bulls way all night um like just a just an absolute legend um good guy again a guy who handled the entire broadcast himself uh, so many great signature calls wham with the right hand. Um, I just, I just love Joe Tate. That was, that was fun to watch, fun to watch vintage MJ in a season when like Scotty wasn't really Scotty yet. And Phil Jackson wasn't really Phil Jackson yet. That was cool. So, uh, shout out to all these networks, man. MLB network had a good day yesterday too. Aaron, some Aaron, some old products. So I appreciated yeah, that. And they opened up league pass too, right? For free. And which means it's all kinds of archives, right? Yeah, um, at, like the leagues have by and large been really good about getting some of their their old archived games out there. The NFL has opened up, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Game Pass for free, and the NBA has opened up League Pass. Um, so fans have an opportunity at least to to sift through, you know, some of the classic games of all time while there are no actual live games going on. Uh, and it it just seems like on on most of the leagues sort of flagship. Uh, uh, networks, the content is going to be as good as possible. Like yesterday, again, solid TV day. I also got to watch the um, MLB Network aired the uh, the classic Cubs Phillies twenty three twenty two game from nineteen seventy nine. I did a little live tweeting of that. That was awesome. Yeah, and then the next concern is our internet crashing because everyone is streaming these days. Uh, oh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, plan to be at home for a while. But um, yeah, that's that's cool. That's all that's available. And uh, and and watching that, man, there's uh, there's yeah, that's uh, um, I, a lot of the bull stuff. I can imagine how f- fired up you get. Uh, I like the pontificating on on MJ uh, back back then. Um, what what are you thinking now? I mean, it feels so weird to talk about the NBA, but um, I, Kevin Durant tested positive. I mean, Kevin Durant. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, obviously, we saw Tom Hanks, but I mean, this is now you know an athlete in his prime. Uh, the, the, the Nets were facing the Warriors. I know he didn't travel with them, but that's where the, the last day, yeah. the, that's where the Nets were at the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors have actually not all been tested team-wide because this state is needs the test big time. Yeah, Curry I was. Thought, I thought Bob Curry Myers was. had a really 
a really sort of socially aware and socially responsible. Um, his thoughts on that were were um, well meaning and well intentioned, and and made a lot of sense. And in, in just in terms of not taking testing yeah. resources from people that are obviously symptomatic right now. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you I, you mentioned the Nets. Um, what four players test positive? We know that Kevin Durant is one of them. Three of the players are asymptomatic right now. I, like I, I don't know if that should be like a, a like if we should feel good about that if that should be chilling to us in some ways because crap um like four out of 15 people right and only one of them was symptomatic um testing positive seems uh ominous but uh you know think, thinking about those guys hope hope the entire league is okay there have been you know i like a- adam silver by and large has been obviously very responsible on this uh, uh you know on this whole crazy uh series of uh of news items and and breaking events like the like the world changes about every six hours it seems and adam silver has been very good about it what we what we know about the nba right now is that uh the the league is still at least ostensibly hopeful um for some sort of mid or late summer return we don't know we still don't know what that's going to look like if there's going to be any portion of regular season whatsoever i've been kind of you know whatever everybody falls into thinking about how the nba could best handle this i kind of kind of hoping that you know they're able to at least come back with maybe some sort of truncated playoffs like i don't i feel like i don't need 16 teams in the playoffs like if it if it comes to it if they come back in late summer i don't know give me the top four in the west and the top four in the east maybe give me a final four and don't even work like i don't know i i don't know how it should come back but i i feel like maybe we could have a year without eight seeds and that would be fine yeah, and then there's a possible charity game as well. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. Um, one thing that's really stuck out is recently that that uh, Silver mentioned that this this might forever change the schedule, um, which actually could be a good thing. I mean, he mentioned the fact that summer used to be considered dead months is why it's you know not there. But nowadays, everyone has a phone, their own TV in their pocket that they're watching. So the world yeah. has changed. And frankly, they're like, we, we were considering doing this anyway. And now, obviously... Uh, catastrophic, catastrophic event is forced their hand, but that is interesting. You know, I don't know how it would look, but have the playoffs throughout summer. I mean, I love baseball as much as anyone, but that can be tiresome. You know, the, the 180 day season. You know, at 162 games, 180 days at least for baseball, that gets boring in the middle of summer. So I would that that could be interesting. You know, what starting around Christmas time? How would that look? But I know for us personally, you know, we're we're in the thick of football when this is starting for basketball. It's weird, and you know, and it's just it seems like they could separate these sports better, and they might take advantage of that. You know, unfortunate opportunity. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and it certainly makes a lot of sense. Already, we're in a we're we're in an era where um, the Christmas Day games feel yeah. like a kind of second opening day, anyway, right? Like, and it's it's when an overwhelming percentage, I think, of NBA fans really get really get clued really into start, what's going on yeah. in the league. Um, starting the league up in you know it's, uh, whether it's early November or or like right around Halloween, whatever. Um, that's just like that's the heart of the NFL regular season. Um, the NFL is really coming into focus. We're having MVP debates. We're having, you know, playoff positioning debates. Um, it's just a, it's just a brutal time for the NBA itself to, to get much traction. So it actually makes, I don't know, timing wise makes a ton of sense for the NBA season to actually like, but are they actually going to truncate the seasons? No, they're probably going to, they're probably going to carry it out into, into midsummer. Um, and leave us with a with a late summer finals and playoff stretch. But again, maybe that wouldn't be too bad. Like um, Christmas Day seems like the right time for the season to open at some level. Like I don't hate it. And and to circle back your question about the playoffs, I'm not sure how it's going to look. But my guess is uh, anything at this point would be amazing. And I would I, there's not going to be much of it in any regular season. And they're going to be in front of empty arenas. And uh, I, I'm personally not even counting on, on anything. I, I, it's 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 scary if you look at the, the projections of where we're headed. Yeah, and you know, we we you, you'd hate to speculate based on the most uh, the dire worst case projections for things like that. We don't want to do that. Um, the, like the point is, there's there's still hope that there's some sort of end to the season. I'm I'm with you in that. I, I would just be I would just be shocked if we see many more regular season games. Maybe a maybe a taste that functions as a kind of preseason because players and teams will have been inactive for so long. But beyond that, it's it's really. Again, that we should probably circle back to what Yahoo is doing. We're basically just kicking things down the road and saying, okay, your your head to head weeks and your seasons are just extended by thirty days, sixty days, whatever it is, and we're going to see 
where the league falls and and whether we can continue uh, the fantasy calendar. Really, really hard for me to imagine that the regular season comes back um, in in any sort of form that allows us to finish head to head play. I would just be I would be shocked by that. I do like hearing Silver talk about, you know, just trying to raise our nation's psyche. And that's part of like the, the charity game and all that. And it uh, seems like they're all doing mostly, you know, the right thing. And uh, may, maybe I'm just being too pessimistic and they do come back and it's a uh, it's a similar playoffs as we're uh, we're used to. But there's so many other ramifications uh, economically. Yeah. I mean, the the just the well, I, I think there was a recent report about like Giannis's max. This really affects him. But the luxury tax and the cap and all that uh for next year, just so many unforeseeable things as well. So this is going to be uh, just just craziness. But man, the games cannot return soon enough. Uh, How about it? As, really as many people have said, if they actually do throw together some sort of charity game, which would basically function as like a second All Star game, yep. it is it is going to be world would watch. It is yep. going to be the most watched live sports event, especially one that doesn't really count for anything. It's going to be one of the most watched sports event in in our lifetimes. That's going to be incredible, and I assume that. Virtually every star in the league, assuming good health, um, w- would be happy to show up for it. For sure. Yeah. And no, hopefully that happens. And yeah, like I said, I mean, I just I, I miss basketball. Yeah, I hear you. I feel the same way. Um, we are going to be joined this week uh, by Nick Whalen of Rotowire, who wrote some really interesting stuff about uh, uh, some NBA postseason awards, some fantasy awards, wrote a really good piece this week uh, that you can read on Yahoo. Um, and let's bring him in to discuss fantasy MVPs for this season and the, uh, the pickups of the year, Nick Whalen, how you doing, man? It's been too long. I'm doing great guys. Thanks for having me back. It's been, it's been a long week already. I'm sure it's been kind of similar for you guys. We have an empty office here. I'm in the studio by myself, but, uh, luckily the NBA TV is replaying the 1999 NBA finals between the Knicks and the Spurs. So I've at least had that this morning. Oh man, we were we were talking about yesterday's NBA TV schedule, which was just like it was like a personal gift to me. Um, I do really really love what NBT what NBA TV is doing right now. Um, that was uh, that was so much fun. Good to hear that you are uh, that you are safe, that you are well. Um, terrible, like obviously with the NBA season on hold right now, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're a Bucks fan, right? I have that correct. You're a Bucks fan. What a like what a season to put on hold. Yeah, so not only am I a Bucks fan, but I'm also a LeBron fan. So it's kind of hitting me from both sides. <laughs> so it's oh. yeah, I mean it was going pretty well uh, on both in both of those angles um, before the shutdown. But I, I still am holding out hope uh, that we're going to get a resolution to the season or at least some sort of playoffs. You know, maybe that means it's a three-five-five-five instead of you know seven-game series. Uh, maybe it means some sort of shortened tournament style. I, I just cannot fathom the idea that the NBA won't finish the season, which I think got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, there were there were periods, you know, back in October and November where the debate of players, especially Kawhi Leonard, resting too much and the, you know, the declining ratings kind of took over. But, you know, once we got into January and February and the success of the new all-star format, it felt like the league had had really kind of regained the momentum uh, from a couple seasons ago. And we had some great storylines emerging. You know, the MVP debate had finally turned into something legitimate. Yeah. And as soon as we get that uh, out of nowhere, the season is just abruptly uh, on hold. Yeah, you're you're reminding me. I'm I'm wearing an All Star Weekend uh, sweatshirt right now. I was like, that weekend was so good. Every event so was so fun. good. Um, it was such a high point for the league. Um, and, and such a like a needed cathartic moment after uh, after Kobe Bryant's passing. Like it was mm-hmm. just. I don't know. And you just wanted to get to the two LA teams playing and you just wanted to get to Milwaukee against whoever it was going to be Boston or Toronto or whatever. Um, I, yeah, I, earlier I floated the, the notion that maybe this is a year where we don't even need the five through eight seeds. Like just give me a, give me a shortened playoff. Let's make sure we get Mm -hmm. the two like LA juggernauts in there. Let's make sure we get uh, some sort of dramatic buck series against uh, perhaps a, a redemption series against Toronto. I don't know. Like I, I was so ready for the bucks against whoever in the finals. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to hold out hope that we're going to still see it. I, I we're going to see something, right? I, I think even if the league resumes play as late as mid June, you know, I, I think there's going to be concessions made of course. Um, and if, like you said, if that means maybe you cut down the field, maybe you don't give teams like 
you know, New Orleans, uh, Washington in the East. Yeah. Teams that are in the playoff race. I think at some point the league's just going to have to say, you know, sorry, it's for the greater good. You know, we have to do something. We, we can't, we're not going to play out all 82 games and, and really give everybody the opportunity that they would have had to, to secure, you know, the eight seed. But even if it's an abbreviated season, I'll take that over nothing. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I mean, this, no matter how this plays out, I think there's going to be somewhat of an asterisk on, whichever team wins the title, much like there was in the lockout year, you know, back in, in, in 11, 12. Yeah. But, you know, now that we're eight, eight years removed from that, nobody talks about that Heat team like they won some cheap title. You know, I think in the moment it felt maybe a little cheapened. Then this is probably a little bit more severe uh, depending on how it plays out. But uh, at the end of the day, they, they there needs to be a way to crown a, a champion. And we just, given all that's at stake, I don't think we can just start the 2021 season looking back and saying, oh, that's fine. There, we just We just don't know who won last year. Yeah, I fully agree with you. This was just this was building to such a high point. It and was this year's, this year's playoffs were going to be yes, and still may be um, some, like it some is going to be wild if all of us are starved for sports and we finally get it. And it's the NBA playoffs and it's in front of an empty arena. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the yeah. craziest thing. Like <laughs> you just can't even imagine if that happens. But um, I yeah, actually I, I will say I, I think that creates some broadcast opportunities that are going to be wild. Like yeah. we're going to be able to hear. Everything that is said on the court, we're going to have like whether they want it or not, we're going to have all kinds of access to what is being said and what coaching really looks like and feels like what the interplay between officials and coaches Mm -hmm. and players is like, because like there's not going to be any crowd noise to interfere with any of that. The last you decide what to show us this last UFC event, I believe in Brazil was the same without a crowd. And uh, you can kind of get this if you watch the show tough. But without a crowd there, you could hear all kinds of things, even contact with the the two athletes fighting Mm -hmm. that you never heard before. So you're absolutely right. That's a good point, Andy. I never thought of that. It'll be it'll be wild. The access will be so different. Yeah, we're going to get camera angles that aren't that are just simply not available to us with a with with a crowd uh, present as well. So like nobody wants any of this, but it is going to be one of those interesting wrinkles that we probably see. Well, let's hand out um, a few fantasy awards. That's why we had Nick on in the first place. Um, these are awards that uh, I, I want to say in the week or so um, before the league came to a screeching halt, uh, we, we'd begun to publicize these on uh, through Yahoo's game a little bit. You guys can all go vote on these as well at fantasyawards.nba.com. This is a little something that the NBA has put together. Um, and it's just three awards, three simple awards. It should be really simple to decide. Nick wrote, um, a, a, again, a really great piece that's available on Yahoo right now, sort of walking through the candidates for each of these three awards. And I wanted to get his thoughts on them, the case for specific players. And we will start simply. And I like one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is I actually have some disagreement on a couple of these. It's close. It's very okay. close. But I have some disagreement on a couple of these, um, including the first one, Fantasy MVP. <laughs> The five candidates, um, James Harden, Giannis, obviously, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Anthony Davis. Uh, these are all guys who were more or less consensus first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, four of the five were consensus like top five players, I would say. So uh, James Harden was your fantasy MVP. It's very difficult to argue against him. He is, if you're playing in a points league, he's the number one scorer. Right. He's, he shows up, obviously, on the... Uh, Yahoo does this thing within the game. If you go to the research tab, it'll show you fantasy MVPs. It'll be the players that appear on the highest percentage of the best teams across the fantasy landscape. And I want to say that James Harden of the players on this list uh, uh, appears uh, higher than either Giannis, LeBron, Jokic, AD. Um, so it's an incredible season for Harden, obviously, leading the league in scoring, mm-hmm. leading the league in, I don't know, like usage, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, give, give us this. If I didn't already make it, give us the simple case for James Harden. So first of all, we should note that um, you know most of the stats in the article refer to like, the NBA's official scoring system, which is yes, pretty different than you know what most leagues. You know if you're you know if you're playing in an eight or nine category league, it's going to be quite a bit different. You're talking just points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and turnovers. So no field goal percentage, no three pointers, yeah. no free throw percentage, um, and we'll kind of get into how that affects certain candidates. But um, and we also you know these were not our candidates yeah i think for the most part this is probably right who we oh that's it i should i should have mentioned it you're right because there are i think some notable omissions uh, yeah these were set these categories. were set by the nba they they kind of gave five yeah. candidates for each one so that's why you don't see you know ursan Ilyasova, for example uh, as an option for for fantasy mvp but <laughs> yeah i went with harden <laughs> i went with harden because you know looking outside of that format you know i, I play in a lot of eight cat leagues he's number one in that format as well you know he's he's been 
the most dependent fantasy player, I think, not only this season, but over the last four seasons. He's been number one uh, in a category for four straight years, assuming, you know, this season kind of ends here. This will be his fourth straight leading the league in scoring. You know, he averaged almost 40 points per game through the first 20 games. Uh, and I was talking with with a colleague yesterday on our podcast about how differently I think we'd view Harden right now if his season was flipped. You know, his first 20 games were so incredible, but his oh, last yeah. his last like 35 have been very good. You know, he's been he's only been averaging around 30 points per game. But, you know, the narrative around the Rockets has kind of shifted toward how good Russell Westbrook has been. And Harden's been very good during that time, but not as good as he's been uh, earlier this season and even most of last season. So I, I think we kind of have forgotten um, just how good he was early on. And with, you know, with anything in sports, you know, it certainly applies to fantasy recency bias. You know, when you're handing out awards. Uh, is a factor but you know it came down to me it was it was between Harden Giannis and ultimately Anthony Davis Um, you know LeBron numbers wise was a little bit below those guys and and Jokic to me is is a pretty clearly fifth Um, especially in the the format that we're talking about he was I think outside of the top 10 he was 15th um, in fantasy points per game in that format so to me he was a little bit further behind that top four yeah, I would agree. I thought Jokic was was basically outside the discussion as well. Um, it's a it's a really good point you make about when Harden was really feasting. Um, I got a little bit maybe out over my skis uh, early in the season and predicted that at some point, like the way James Harden was going over the first twenty or so games, I thought he was going to have an eighty point game this year. Yeah, um, it just seemed like the the pace at which they were playing, the ridiculous totals that they were putting up. I I, th- I thought it seemed completely in play that he would score 70, that he would score like 81, 82 at some point. I, I like I thought he was coming after Kobe's mark. I thought so, too. And I, I think that was certainly the mindset that he seemed like he had. You know, he had he had 110 points over a two game span uh, to, <laughs> to end November and begin December. I mean, he went 60 points against Atlanta and then, uh, you know, three nights later, 50 points against the Spurs and you know he had back-to-back 54 55 point games uh in mid-December and yeah it it, it did feel like there was going to be one of those nights where you tuned in and you saw you know if if a game basically was close enough you know the Rockets are playing in Orlando and you know Harden's got 65 through three quarters that that seemed very much in play and you know I don't know how much we see of of him or the Rockets the rest of the way but based on how they kind of transitioned their style you know really beginning kind of in the the beginning of January and obviously exacerbating that by trading Clint Capella, uh, we just haven't seen him, you know, have that extreme usage. You know, Russell Westbrook has kind of taken a bigger share of that uh, over the last couple of months. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think he's got to be the picker because you're dominating the points leagues and the category um, uh, eight cat, as you as you mentioned, uh, Nick. Uh, Andy has a, a choice in upcoming league of leagues draft of three sports: baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. and football. So it's McCaffrey, Mike Trout, and on base league or James Harden in an eight-cat league. And he's, uh, I don't know, we'll see what he, what he picks uh, come Saturday, but Harden is, uh, is, is tough to pass, just so consistent. Yeah, and he, he basically single-handedly wins you free throws, too, with, you know, shooting yes. you know, sub, yeah. right around 90%. You know, he's usually in, you know, the 86 to 88 range on that kind of volume. I mean, he's... he's and, also, like, and also gets to the line like 11 or 12 times. Right, that's the thing. Yeah. He's lapping the field in free throw attempts, um, not only this season, but every single season. I mean, he... If you look at just total free throw attempts, he's led the league in now six consecutive years and seven out of the last eight. I'll just say if I were to make a case for anybody else on this list um, and granted there, you know, like LeBron is is still not an elite free throw shooter, obviously, and that drags you down in some yeah. category leagues. Um, he's averaging 10.7 assists per game in his 17th NBA season, leading the league in assists, um, a, like a career high in assists in his 17th season, just like blows my mind. Everything else is is perfectly in line with his career averages. He's mm-hmm. he's at uh, almost 26 points per game. He's he's the one guy on this list that you didn't have to take in the top like four. True, right? Um, that that's my thing with LeBron. Like you could, he he legitimately fell to the end, certainly the back half of the first round in virtually every draft, and yeah. oftentimes to the very end of the first round. So he's like, he's the one guy that has like a lot of profit built into his draft price here. So if I were to make mm-hmm. an argument for anybody else, LeBron is probably the guy. I think I got him at eight in the friends and family league, and I certainly yep. saw him fall as low as ten, eleven in a couple of other leagues. So. He's just the one guy where there's there's so much profit there, which normally when we're talking about first round fantasy assets, there's not necessarily mm-hmm. a ton of profit. Of course, there's even though even though you probably took him number one overall or maybe you took him two or three, um, there's still profit with James Harden, obviously, yep. too. But 
Um, but with LeBron, it's just pretty obscene. And again, he was available at the back end of the first instead of the the absolute start of the first. What are we yeah. going to do with LeBron next year, by the way? Like, what do you, I don't know, if you're just in a redraft uh, situation next year, his 18th NBA yeah. season, where, where does LeBron go? Yeah, I mean, well, to address your first point, I think if you look at this as best player, it's Harden, most valuable, it's probably LeBron, you know, value versus draft slot. So I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, and he actually, his free throw percentage, even though it's not that bad, he only drops down like two spots when you look at, you know, taking that category away in, in eight cat leagues. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, I think you just kind of have to roll with it. Right. I mean, I don't know if I would say he finishes as like a borderline top five guy next year, but I don't see how you could let him slip past like, you know, one of the first few picks at the second round at this point. I mean, he hasn't fallen off athletically whatsoever, you know, and I think the bigger, the bigger concern coming into this year was health, right? I mean, we we finally saw him, um, you know, have kind of a chink in the armor for the first time last year. And I, I don't think anybody expected him. And I, I wrote this in the article on the site. I, I don't think ex- anyone expected him to just all of a sudden fall off a cliff. But I think there was yeah. some some built in regression saying, you know, if, if LeBron plays 70 games this year, that would be great. You know, I think people expected him to rest and be more careful than he has been. And, and instead, the other wrinkle. What does he what does he miss? Does he miss three games? Something like that. Yeah, I think only two yeah. or three. And and there are, there are legitimate yeah. injuries by all accounts. You know, I think he tweaked that groin. Um, and he, he was actually listed as as day-to-day before the shutdown with that groin injury. But yeah, he missed three games total um, through 63 for the Lakers, which I, I think if you had told anyone in mid-March he'd only missed three games, that would be the absolute best-case scenario. And on top of that, he's playing 35 minutes a game. And if you've watched even 30 seconds of a Laker game this year, he's playing harder, especially on defense, than he has probably since... I don't know, 2013, 2014 in Miami. I mean, it is far. a, yeah. it is a tangible. You, have to, you definitely have to go back to the Miami years to find yeah. any stretch in which he's played defensively this way. Yeah, it's tangible. I mean, the way that that team flies around, it's not just him. I mean, he's bought into to the system that, that Frank Vogel has installed there. And I, I think that's worth something. Um, but yeah, next year, I mean, I, I think you maybe just kind of knock him a little bit, but I, he's proven more than anybody that if you're going to let him slip to, you know, the end of the second round, I think he's going to make you pay for it. Yeah, I think you take him in the mid first or, or back first still again, because not only is he a, a monster, just a freak and totally unique athlete. So I know the mileage is insane. But uh, B, there is a version in which uh, a season plays out where AD goes back to being injury prone and then James goes even crazy yeah. without him. So I think, yeah, you just got to roll with it, like Nick said, and, and, and treat him once again as a yep. top 10 fantasy player, despite the, the craziness with the age. I have to give some thought to it, but I feel like, and maybe it's, uh, you know, he's, he's 35 years old. So maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't actually classify this as like an old man season, but it is his 17th year. Right. But I feel like this is one of the great old man seasons in, uh, maybe in sports oh, yeah. history. And I'm trying, I'm trying to cycle through them right now. There's like the Brett Favre year, right. was crazy. And <laughs> Ted Williams had a season in which he hit 388 at like 38 yeah. or 39 years old. Leads but, the NBA in assists. I mean, it's right. Yeah. It's crazy. So anyway, if I'm if I'm making an argument for anybody else's fantasy MVP, it's probably it's probably LeBron. But uh, but I hear you on Harden. Let's get to let's get to fantasy sleeper. I think we have at least one notable um, omission from this list, but it's a but it's a really good list that the NBA put together. Here it is. Uh, our candidates are Hassan Whiteside, Demata Sabonis, incredible year. Brandon Ingram, obviously an incredible year. Spencer Dinwiddie. Fun person, fun player, um, tremendous season. And Dalton's guy, Andrew Wiggins. This is a, I I felt like this was an interesting name to throw in there in place of, say, Bam. Bam might have been fitting in this spot. But no, we're putting in Andrew Wiggins, centerpiece player, foundational uh, piece to the the next Golden State dynasty. Um, Obviously, they are now built around the talents of Andrew Wiggins and and Steph and Clay are just going to have to find their way. Hopefully, they can find a way to get out from under that Curry contract. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, keep your Giannis in Milwaukee, Nick. We got Wiggins here. (laughs) Yeah, we're We're good. Yeah, we're good. Right. Do you, you like want to make the case for Andrew Wiggins as uh, as as your uh, fantasy sleeper of the year? No, I mean he did have a really good start there, and I like him next year in this Warriors system. But no, it's tough to have uh, to argue mm-hmm. here over guys like White. I I was th- leaning Whiteside here, but my mind was just thinking uh, all, all category league, so it makes sense with uh, Nick's pick, which is uh, somewhere diff- someone different, right? Yeah, you went with Brandon Ingram. Give us give us the case for Ingram. So basically, what I wrote uh, in that article is that I think we kind of forget. You know, because he's played well for so long now, we, we kind of forget just how low his stock was, even relative to some yeah. of these other guys on the list. I mean, he not only had he played, 
you know, pedestrian basketball at best. And, you know, I, I don't think he ever took the blame for the Lakers shortcomings, but I mean, he never played in a playoff game in three years. He'd missed a ton of time over, over those three years, 52 games last season, 59 the year before did play 79 as a rookie, but he was you know pretty ineffective as a rookie average under 10 points per game. And he was someone that just had crazy limitations. I mean, he only, only made 31 three pointers last season in 52 games. And, and as I wrote in the article, he needed only 13 games this year to eclipse that total. So like, not only did he come <laughs> back and stay healthy after a blood clot issue too, which, which basically prevented him from working out and recovering for much of the off season, but he came back a completely different player. You know, it, it's not like he just played more minutes and all of a sudden his, his averages doubled because he went from 18 minutes a game to 36 minutes a game. He played virtually the same workload, joined a new team with new teammates, Averaged six more points per game, you know, dramatically increased his rebounds, assists, doubled his steals. And and like I said, I, I think the biggest improvement is going from a, a wing player with massive limitations, not being a three-point shooter, which in today's NBA, in a lot of ways, is kind of a death sentence for your development. You know, going from taking 1.8 threes per game to 6.3 and, and shooting yeah. 39% from beyond the arc and, you know, becoming really a guy who was a no doubt all-star for a team that wasn't even that good at the time of the all-star break. So to me, you know, I, I'm with you that Bam should have been on this list. Uh, I would have gone, you know, Whiteside and Sabonis were kind of neck and neck for, for number two. But to me, this was pretty clearly Ingram. Yeah, I got to say, um, it feels like a million years ago that this trade was made, by the way. Um, yeah. But when it happened, um, my initial thought was like, you got to you got to make a decision on paying Brandon Ingram almost right away. So is right. this even an asset, right? Like that just seemed like a kind of a, a ticking contract bomb. Um, and now it's just obvious that you got to pay the guy and he's a star. Like he's been he's been absolutely great. I have nothing bad to say about Brandon Ingram. My only my only case for another guy on this list. Um, and I, I think you mentioned the two that are most interesting in Sabonis and Whiteside. Um, Hassan Whiteside right now leading the league in blocks both on a per game basis and total basis he's also leading the league in total rebounds and he's second on a per game basis behind Drummond like that's a hell of a year for somebody who was kind of a punchline of a player he called it right he said he wanted to lead the league in yeah. those categories he's the number eight player in nine cat leagues ahead yeah. of Jokic I mean who went top five he's ahead of the aforementioned James uh, Whiteside has been the true fantasy MVP yeah. if you want to talk about like value value relative to draft position yeah, yeah you're absolutely yeah, right no. The, the thing with Whiteside that did steer me away from him is we, we have kind of seen him do this before. You know, 2015-16, he was the top 15 guy in 8-cat. He was the top 10 guy in 9-cat that year. So we, we at least like knew the potential was there. And I think the last couple of years, injuries, you know, the emergence of Adebayo were, were what hurt him more than anything. And, you know, it ended up kind of working the reverse in, in Portland where he goes there and Nurkic, guys, guys ahead yeah, of him get yeah. injured. You know, and not only Nurkic, but Zach Collins as well. Yeah, you know, I don't think if Zach Collins is healthy, I don't think Whiteside is playing 35 minutes every single night. You know, he's a guy that sure. tradi traditionally you've limited in the mid 20s just because of, you know, he, I mean, he's always been, you know, the stats are better than the actual production, but we have at least seen him do it. Whereas with Ingram, you know, there was just improvement across the board. And the other thing I didn't mention is, you know, the 20 percent jump from the free throw line. You know, he went from being a 68 percent shooter to an 86 percent shooter this season on, on dramatically increased volume. I do fully respect as Dalton mentioned that he called his shot too. That he, yes. that he said That's, he wanted that is to lead the something. league in blocks and rebounds, and then he's by God, he's doing it. That's awesome. Final category that I want to get to here, and this I feel like they really stacked it for one guy because there are there are a handful of names that I think I might have included in this uh, in this field that are not in it. Um, fantasy pickup of the year. Our finalists were Devonte Graham of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, really hard to compete with that resume. Um, Bielitsa from the Kings, Markel Fultz from the Magic, obviously a really fun story. Kendrick Nunn, uh, a great story in his own right with the Miami Heat and PJ Washington, also of the Hornets. Um, there's there's no Christian Wood here. There's no Duncan Robinson here. These are these are major omissions in my mind. Um, but Nick, tell us why it's obviously Devonte Graham. So first of all, I was surprised that he was even drafted in 13% of leagues. That seemed yeah. way too high. I, I I, mean, we're as on top of this as anybody. And I was not telling anyone to target Devontae Graham. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's he's someone that I, I think if you were, you know, just kind of a casual NBA fan, you probably thought he was a rookie this year. I mean, he, he did play in 46 yeah. games last year. But I mean, he was kind of one of those guys that you're like, is he a two-way player? Is he just kind of up for a little bit? Like, why is he spending so much time with the Greensboro Swarm? Like, never did you think... <laughs> Never did you think watching this guy, whether it was last year or as a 22-year-old senior at Kansas, were you like, this guy is going to start 
and you know be top five in the league and made threes like it was just so completely unprecedented and you know not only is has he been a very like a very much rosterable player but he's been a top 40 guy in terms of total fantasy points uh, in the NBA scoring system. He is hurt a little bit in leagues that count field goal percentage just because he's, he's a 38% shooter, uh, which is a typical downfall, you know, for smaller young guards. But I mean, to be a guy who was a complete afterthought, you know, going from that to 18 points, seven and a half assists per game. I mean, a guy who's going to appear on multiple leaderboards uh, at the end of the season. Um, the, the, the other guys on this list had nice years, but I don't think any of them jumped beyond like, you know, decent starter on a four game week. Whereas like Devontae Graham, unless he's on a two game week, he was in your lineup every single week. Yeah. A little bit of his field goal percentage. Also, obviously, if you're going to, if you're going to take yep. 10, 11 threes a game, you're just, you're just not going to shoot a, a particularly high percentage. I think he's, right. is he second or third in total threes made in the league right now? His last, his last three games before the, or his last four games before the stoppage, 24 points, 23 points, 27 yep. points, 30 points. Like it's just always a huge point total. Um, he was brilliant early. He was brilliant late. Um, he like of anybody on this list, he had not only the lowest ADP, but also the highest rank um, right. by the by what might be the end of the season. So like there's really there's I don't know. I like if there's a case to be made for anybody else who appears on this list, I can't make it. I'll just say that Duncan Robinson, I think, is like one. He might be one or two threes behind him in total for the season. If mm-hmm. you're in a categories league, he's been carrying you in that one stat. And obviously, Christian Wood has just been an like a flat out star um, since he came into a bunch of minutes. Christian Wood is, in fact, the guy who whose name appears at the absolute top of the list of fantasy MVPs in the Yahoo game right now. And that's a weird list because it really reflects like. I think it looks at the top 500 overall uh, Yahoo public league teams. And it just looks at like what player appears on most of them. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's both a reflection of where you drafted and it's a reflection of how aggressive you are on the waiver wire. Right. So like it's always going to, the player whose name is almost always at the top of that list for baseball and basketball is, is going to be one of the the, uh, more popular waiver ads, right? Because Mm -hmm. good owners are active owners and they make the right calls. But right now that's, that's Christian Wood. Yeah, you, you got to go Graham here, though, especially in a point scoring format. And I agree with, with, with Nick. The 13% seems fishy. There's no way he was drafted in that many leagues. I, I question that <laughs> data. This is sure. your data, I think, right? This yeah, I know. I, I'm going to yeah. question it openly here on that one because I, I mean, that seems uh, seems off. But yep. the one other thing I want to mention with the fancy pickups and nominations here is it's really just a cool story that Markel Fultz is a, yeah. is a real thing. And he is yeah. back to being a fantasy, not just a, a role player in the NBA, which looked like a long shot at one point, but an actual fantasy asset. And he's only getting better, it looks like, each month. So really happy to see that because, like I said, it looked like a long shot at one point, and now he, he looks like a, 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 a legit player. Mm-hmm. What do you think we do with uh, with Fultz and drafts next year? I mean, it's a tough question. I think the one thing to me that's really encouraging with Fultz, I mean, he's still kind of hovering around the end of drafts right now. I think he's 125th uh, in, in eight-category leagues. But even though that he's regressed, I think, if anything, as a three-point shooter, the fact that he's made a pretty big leap as a free-throw shooter is really encouraging because... Yeah. You know, we've seen a lot of guys, you know, think Lonzo Ball, early Rondo, Jason Kidd, guys like that who tend to struggle from three also are really bad free throw shooters. And that's what Fultz was as a rookie, 48% last year, 57%. Now this year up to 73, um, which isn't great for a point guard, but it's a, a tangible increase. And, you know, he's at least getting to the line, you know, not not at a, at a great rate, but, you know, he's not being Lonzo Ball where he's, you know, clearly trying to avoid that because he knows he's not going to make the free throws. So, I'm encouraged uh, by the passing. I'm encouraged by the defense, 1.3 steals. You know, at the end of the day, though, it's really tough to be a point guard in this league and be a 25% three-point shooter. Um, he shot better early in the season. That's something that's kind of dwindled as the year has gone on. Um, but unless you have another, like, ultra-elite skill, which I'm not sure that he does right now, um, that's going to be a hindrance for him. But but at the same time, I mean, he started 59 games for a team that, as of right now, would make the playoffs. So considering the expectations... Um, you know, it's hard not to be at least a little more optimistic this time than we were a year ago in, in late March. Yeah, that is a fair point. An NBA point guard should be able to make 75% of their free throws. I yeah. mean, it is, that right. is crazy. But yeah, I, I hear you. You, uh, you know, not as high on him as, uh, as, as me, but he's young, man. I think he can still improve. But right. yes, shoot the ball better. And, and especially free throws. That's insane that point guards it, it can't do that. It's, it's, it's frustrating. 
By the way, I'm 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 actually kind of struggling with this 13% thing on uh, on Devontae Graham. I went back and looked at his <laughs> preseason to see if there was just like some blow up game because I don't I don't remember it. And there really wasn't like no, I'm looking not. at his scoring in the preseason. It was 13, 18, 8, 14, 8. Um, I'm like, I, I got to wonder if that just takes into account, um, leagues that, because he was great immediately once the regular season started, Yes, it's got to take into account leagues that drafted after opening night, right? Like, yeah, this must just encompass all leagues. Something is amiss. Obviously, if you were drafting in the first week or two weeks of the regular season, you were taking him, but no way you were touching him in the preseason. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, let's talk about a couple of just, I'm. I'm just looking for individual names. You don't have to give me like, I don't know. You don't have to give me a full explanation. You don't have to give me like all your candidates for these things, but I'm going to, I'm going to toss out a couple of bonus categories and you just tell me who your winner would be of most improved players. It's still Brandon Ingram. Yeah. I mean, are we talking like the real NBA award? Let's, let's think real life. Um, we'll talk most improved. We'll talk rookie of the year. We'll talk MVP. I, I mean, for me, it's, it, I think Ingram's going to win the award for sure. Um, I, I think Adebayo would be right up there for me. I know, you know, looking at the Vegas odds throughout the year, I know Doncic was was at the top for a long time, but I, I don't love the spirit of like giving it to a guy who was already really good. You know, I, I think it's yeah, you know, a, a guy who who's made a true leap uh, rather than going from you know good to great. You know, average to borderline great is basically what Ingram has done. So for me, it's him. Adebayo deserves some love for sure. Um, even Sabonis, you know, Sabonis is another guy much like Adebayo. Yeah, I would I would argue that his true breakout was probably last season. Um, but you know, Sabonis was an all-star for the first time, you know, he was a legit 19 and 12 with five assists. Um, and you know, not a great defensive category guy, but you know, 1.3 combined steals and blocks isn't terrible. Um, the one thing with Sabonis though, is he, you know, really dropped off a cliff from three. He didn't take many last year, but he at least made the ones he took. Hmm. And, and this year he's expanded his range. You know, they've made a point to, to try to get him to one per game and that's what they've done, but he's shooting 25% from three. So I, I think maybe once that area of his game catches up, you know, he might have one more kind of like half level to climb. I do feel like a lot of it for Adebayo is is minutes and opportunity. And I, like, I feel like Ingram made just a legit leap in terms of quality of play, um, uh, the decisions on shots that he's taking. He's he's just a different guy. Like Adebayo is somebody that like you just you just you just knew was going to be good if he got this kind of opportunity. And he has been. Yeah, and obviously the real answer is obviously the real answer is Andrew Wiggins. I mean, we're talking most <laughs> improved, right? This is most improved. This category. Yeah, he went from he went from bust to upgrade over Kevin Durant. So I would say that's a pretty sizable uh, jump in one yeah. one half season. So so yeah, that that's my that's not not only my answer, but it's the right it's the, the <laughs> correct one. I'm looking at I'm looking at some odds that have Devonte Graham at plus four hundred. Um, I almost feel like he shouldn't huh. be qualified for this because like last year didn't really count. Like this feels like this is his rookie year in a lot of ways. Yeah. Sure. Um, are we all in agreement that Giannis is the real life MVP? Is there is there a case to be made for Harden? I mean, I think if anybody, it'd be LeBron, LeBron, right? LeBron, yeah. LeBron would be the other one for me, but it's Giannis. It's insane what he's doing in the amount of minutes. But yeah, LeBron would be the second for me, but no, I would yep. still vote Giannis. Yeah, I think it'll be Giannis in a landslide. LeBron very, very comfortably in second. And then probably a pretty sizable gap between LeBron and then it could be Harden, could be Doncic, could be, I think Kawhi has kind of made a late push. Um, yeah. I, I think publicly people think Kawhi's missed more games than he has. Like He's played 51 and I think Giannis has only played 57. So, I mean, not maybe not as big of a gap as people would think. And, you know, Kawhi's numbers have been incredible this year. Hasn't gotten much from Paul George. And then I think Jokic is kind of on the outside of that as well. Giannis' yeah, defense, I, I mean, he averaged 17 rebounds a game during February, or one, one yeah. of those months. I mean, this is insane. Is that good? That's good, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a one-man <laughs> race, and everybody else. Like, uh, it, it's fine to uh, whatever. We can we can single out LeBron as the clear number two, but um, I think that's a total one-man race for Giannis. I think the shutdown helps Giannis, because it did seem, right or wrong, yes. it, it did seem that LeBron was yeah. finally gaining momentum, and that's, I mean, that's obviously just been cut off. Well, and, and, they were, and they were crying undergoing an MRI on his knee too. Yeah, I, mean, exactly, I mean, he was. A, yeah. I mean, they get fully can heal that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were the Lakers were threatening to pass Milwaukee in terms of uh, best regular season record as well, right? Which might have mattered to anybody who wanted right. to lean LeBron. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I mean, the Lakers did lose their last game before uh, the shutdown to to the Nets, of course. But um, yeah, before that, I think they had closed it to like two or three games. Um, rookie of the year. Did uh, Zion make enough of an impression to uh, crack anybody's like, did he did he edge jaw? Did that not happen for me? It hasn't happened, but no. it's close. 
he hasn't played enough games. I mean, I I, I yeah. do think I think people will give him first place votes just because you know he was so good in those nineteen games. But he, I don't even th- even if the season played out through eighty two games, I don't I don't think he would have played enough. Um, we've kind of seen this scenario play out to a lesser degree with with the Embiid Brogdon year, where you know right. Embiid was Embiid was clearly the better player, but Brogdon I think played almost every game that year, and Embiid was limited to like thirty one games. And he still got some first place votes, but at the end of the day, you know, it just went to the the bigger body of work. And if you want to apply that situation to this year, John Morant is way better than Malcolm Brogdon. You know, you you have not only a good option, but you have a great option uh, who's played fifty nine games. You know, a difference in forty games to me is just it's too much. Yeah, I also got to say Memphis holding on to the eighth seed in the West, right. um, still like uh, as we speak, three and a half games up on Portland, the Pelicans behind yeah. them. Um, the the fact that they've actually held on to playoff position kind of clinches it. Well, let me ask you this: like, would it be fair to say, let's say Zion's played fifty games, so it's a nine game difference? I I still think there would be a debate here. I mean, John Morant is averaging yeah. eighteen points, seven assists, shooting forty nine percent from the field as a rookie <laughs> point guard. Like, I, people act like if if Zion got to thirty games, he would be a unanimous rookie of the year. Like, I mean, Zion's po- scoring and rebounding numbers are good, but yeah. mm-hmm. like Morant's putting together a hell of a year. And right, even, like, Zion's even the highlights aren't that different. Steps. Like they no, are both not. like yeah. fabulous highlight players. We're yet to, we're yet to get a true like Zion breakaway three sixty windmill. You know, like we had he's had a lot of just like two handed alley oop dunks, but he hasn't. I don't think he's had yeah. like the A plus highlights that we saw at Duke. Yeah, and Zion's not filling up the defensive stats either. So no, no I'm not with at you. all. Yeah, Jaw Jaw's had a fantastic rookie season. Totally. Like yeah, this would be close if the games were closer, right? But right. as is, no, no, for sure, I agree. What um, one other thing we can all agree on is. Uh, Coach of the year, I mean, Nick Nurse, uh, maybe Vogel's a little underrated, too, what he's done quietly, but uh, we can all agree it's Jim Boylan, right? <laughs> that was just, that was just mean. That was just mean. Like, this Sorry, is such Andy. a difficult and uncertain time, and you've got to throw Jesus. Jim Boylan's can you, name Can you bleep that out? You, you weasel. Goodness. That's Apologize, brutal. Andy. I, said, I waited the whole entire uh, podcast season just to say that. <laughs> where, where, where do we stand on your, uh, on your bull season ticket holder? Come on, let's hear from you. <laughs> oh, I've uh, actually already made my first payment for next year. That's how, that's how optimistic oh, I am. Kobe about, White's uh, got yeah. you fired up. I got you. I'm <laughs> in. Okay. Yeah, this right, late right. Kobe White surge has done it. Um, I, I assume they're going to build all of next year's marketing around Kobe White, and I'm, I'm here for it. So I don't, I don't know if I would vote for Nick Nurse personally. I, I think he's, he will win it based on how this award is handed out. But he won the finals last year. We already know he's a good coach. I understand he lost Kawhi and you know this team is 46 and 18. So he, he is a deserving likely winner. But I, I think I would vote Billy Donovan in OKC. I would look at even Scott Brooks. I know they're 16 games under 500. But to be in ninth place with that Wizards roster, I think is about as good of like a pound for pound coaching job as there's been this year. And, and even like Taylor Jenkins in Memphis, I think in a lot of years, he'd be a, a much more serious candidate um, you know, leading a team that I don't think it would be all that surprising if the Grizzlies were like 19 and 45 right now. And instead, you know, yep. they're probably going to make the playoffs given the scenario. Yeah, I actually think that's a great call on Memphis. Um, I think I think that's probably right. I don't think he'll win it. Um, no, I think I don't it think will so. go to nurse and it's going to be part of it is going to be a postseason award from last year. Right. Like everybody's yep. going to get the late game adjustments against the Warriors in their head and you won't be able to. And then you'll look at their record. They're going to be the two seed in the East. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be nurse. But I think there's very compelling cases for others. I, I like the Billy Donovan call a lot. I mean, who would imagine yeah. the Rockets and Thunder having the same record at this point of the season? If you look at the past winners, and it's it's hard to kind of prorate now because you know we're cutting the season short, but the past winners of this award going back to oh seven oh eight, so that was Byron Scott when he won it with the Hornets. Somehow, every single coach between then and now <laughs> has won at least fifty games in that season. So you, you, it almost never these days goes to a Taylor Jenkins type. You know, the last time yeah. the last time anybody's won fewer than forty seven games and taken home coach of the year was Doc Rivers in two thousand. So it, it almost always goes to, you know, a coach on a really good team. Before we let you go, give me your I'm going to go back to fantasy awards right here. Give me your fantasy bust of the year. Whew. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I was depending on Mitchell Robinson in a lot of leagues. Um, and I know he's he's been serviceable. You know, I think he's like low 80s in, in terms of eight cat rankings, which is which is fine. But I think the leap that people expected him to make, uh, even even with the horrific roster additions this offseason, you know, I kind of put my faith in just the greater good that they would play him 30 minutes and that did not happen. <laughs> so that's been a disaster. Uh, I mean, Kyrie Irving, I think for a lot of people on a per game basis, he's been great. I mean, I, I want to say he's like 
top seven or eight uh, in, in eight category leagues, but he played 20 games. You know, he was going to end up missing 62 games, which is basically, basically a lost investment for a guy you were taking probably high in round two. Um, Mike Conley was another guy. You know, I, I, I remember saying all summer, like, this is a perfect fit. You know, I can't remember a better free agency yep. fit. This is going to work out great. They, they need a guy just like this. Complete disaster. Um, another name that comes to mind, I mean, I, I don't I don't think he's a true bust, but I really thought Jeremy Grant would kind of kick Paul Millsap to the curb and end up being a much better fit for Denver at power forward. And I mean, he's been a guy that really hasn't even been rosterable this year. So he was someone I kind of went all in on, you know, in the 80s and 90s of a lot of drafts and just ended up kind of having to cut bait. Since you since you mentioned Kyrie, I'm just going to I'm going to throw Carl Anthony Towns in there as well. Yep. He, and he's yep. been fantastic for fantasy purposes when he plays um, career high in points per game. Obviously, he's, you know, right around 11 rebounds per game. He's been great. Um, he's mm-hmm. shooting over 41 percent from three. Everything about that is good. He's played 35 games. And like the whole argument for Carl Anthony Towns at the top of a draft, not the whole argument, but much of the argument was this guy yep. plays 82 games a year. And exactly. it's, not, it's not a player's fault when he breaks stuff, when he, you know, when he breaks down. But just in terms of overall disappointment, um, I mean, Towns has obviously been been killing you if uh, if you were leaning on him this year. Curry was another guy taken yep. really who got injured, obviously. But I, yeah. mine, mine is actually sticking with the Warriors. It's Draymond Green, who yep. I was aggressively touting, and and even That's more so the with call. the Curry. Yeah. Uh, I know even more so the Curry injury because this, in that situation, Draymond, you know, had the opportunity to go crazy, and not only did he miss it out more games, and maybe that should have been foreseeable, but um, even when on the court, you know, he's been what in mid eighties in a, a nine cap player. So so Draymond Green for me has been a huge disappointment. What do you guys think about De'Aaron Fox? Uh, I took like I took a victory lap when I drafted him in a couple of places too. I was really excited for De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, yeah, I took him way too high in in a few spots, and I mean he's just he's one of those guys that like a lot of the, a lot of the players we mentioned. It's been injury related, and with Fox when he's been healthy, he just he just has not quite been the same guy. Well, imagine you took him too early, but imagine being the Kings who, who didn't take Doncic because they had him. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's another level. I mean, that's, that's a little well, worse. Even. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe even Marvin Bagley, to some degree, belongs in this conversation, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah good point. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff, Nick. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you yeah, bet, that was fun. Um, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? Is it, uh, it's, a, it's a weird Twitter handle, isn't it? Uh, it's a creative Twitter handle. Yes, it's a. That's what uh, I meant to say. I meant just, to say creative. I don't know what came out. I yeah, meant I to say creative. I, something must have happened with the connection. Yeah, it's, so it's just my last <laughs> name, but the the L is a one. So just at Waylon, but the L is a one. Waylon, L is a one. Um, Nick, it, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course, thanks, guys. Man. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Nick Whalen for joining us. Um, that was great. A lot of fun. Uh, check out all his stuff on Rotowire. You can find a lot of it on Yahoo as well. Also, um, check out the other Yahoo, the family of Yahoo Fantasy podcasts. Um, check out the Fantasy Football podcast with Liz Loza and Matt Harmon. Check out the baseball pod with Scott Pianowski, the award-winning baseball pod with Scott Pianowski. It's great stuff. Um, we will be back next Thursday. Um, please subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend or two or three about the show. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy, at Dalton Del Don, at Andy Barons. Stay safe, everybody. Wash those hands. We are out. We are out.